Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. You are now tuned in to the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, mysterious, morbid, and odd from the other side of the world. I'm your host, Jessica. Please sit back, relax, and let's dive into this week's topic. Before I start this week's episode, I would like to play two promos of two very fantastic podcasts. One of them I've been listening to for over a year, and another one is fairly new, but the episodes are amazing. Please take a listen. My name is Justin, and I host Mysterious Circumstances Podcast. If you're into a detailed, well-researched podcast that dives into everything from unsolved true crime to paranormal to any kind of unexplained mystery, then you might like my show. But be forewarned, it's unpolished and raw. Hopefully I'll see you there. What you just heard was the promo for Mysterious Circumstances with your host, Justin Rimmel. He goes into depth with all these mysterious and fascinating topics, which might include murder, disappearances, and the paranormal. The Dark Divide podcast with your host, Krista, takes a deeper look at the darker side of humanity, and the most recent episode on Cindy James is written so beautifully You're definitely missing out if you're not listening to it. Hey listeners, my name is Krista and I host a narrative true crime podcast called The Dark Divide. I've always been interested in the circumstances and events which shape a seemingly ordinary life into something made out of our worst nightmares. And now I get to take you all along through the depths of obsessive research and my need to explore the unknown. So I invite you to come stare into the abyss with me. Right now, we're available on iTunes and Podbean. See you there. Now that you've heard the promos, we can go on and start this week's episode. China, officially known as the People's Republic of China, or PRC for short, is a country governed by the Communist Party of China and is the world's most populous country. The current population as of now is around 1.4 billion. Size-wise, it is considered the fourth largest country in the world, just a little bit smaller than the United States. China's population is about four times the population of the United States. There are 22 provinces in China, similar to the concept of states. The capital of China is Beijing. Aside from those 22, there are two special administrative regions, Hong Kong and Macau. Historically speaking, China is one of the world's oldest civilizations. 
The formation of China's first history began around the year 2070 BCE, before Common Era, known as the Xia Dynasty. China has undergone so many changes in dynasties, expansions, unifications, and it wasn't until around the year 3 BCE that the first official Chinese dynasty began. The dynasty ruling period ended in the year 1912, when a republic replaced the last dynasty, the Qing Dynasty. Then the Chinese Civil War happened, resulting in the Communist Party's victory and the Republican Party. KMT for short, retreating back to Taiwan, also known as the Republic of China or ROC. As of today, people still have different thoughts about whether Taiwan is a country or a province of China. That's a whole other complicated and touchy subject. Taiwan says they're independent, but China disagrees. China's economy is fast growing, and probably not surprisingly, the largest exporter of goods. China, along with Russia, has one of the world's largest standing army, is a recognized nuclear weapon state, and also has a large defense budget. As of now, there are 292 languages being spoken throughout China, with Mandarin being the main language. One very interesting cultural aspect in China society is the one-child policy. China was at one point concerned with its growing population, so in 1979. They implemented a policy known as the one-child policy, which is self-explanatory. This policy was loosened up in 2013, where you were allowed to have two children if one of your parent was an only child. Then, in 2016, the policy was officially changed to a two-child policy. Technically, you were still able to have more than one child under that initial policy. But you would be required to pay a heavy fine. Okay, I am aware I kind of went on and on when introducing China. I can't help it. I've been living in Beijing for the past six months, and I have to say I freaking loved it there. Chinese culture is just so rich and it's so overwhelming. Of course, there are things that I'm not a fan of, but overall, it was a positive experience. As a tribute to my past six months and to the place I launched my podcast, I will tell you guys about one of the worst serial killers known in recent Chinese history. This person was considered very dangerous because he killed anybody. He didn't target a certain gender or a certain age group. If you were there, he killed you. He would rob families, rape the women and the girls, and murder everyone present. This is the case of a man named Yang Xinghai. Who traveled over four provinces, raped 23 women, and murdered 67 people. Let's begin with an introduction of Yang. He was born in July of the year 1968 or 1969. Sources vary. He's from a small town in Henan Province, which coincidentally is also where my mother's family's from. This is also where the whole Shaolin Kung Fu and Shaolin Temple originated from. He had five other siblings, three brothers and two sisters. He grew up in a very harsh environment with very little food and very limited resources. He was said to be the smartest child out of the bunch, also very soft-spoken and kind. He was also a bit of an artist. His neighbors remembered that he was the nice boy in the neighborhood who always greeted people and was liked by everyone. 
His neighbors would sometimes even flock to him to have him do drawings for them. He was also the first person from that village to attend high school. That's just how rural and poor the environment was. Yang's father never had the chance to study past elementary school, so of course, he was very proud of his son. Yang attended high school, but his family was too poor to help him afford anything else, including meals at school and textbooks. His father would come from time to time to bring him rice and bits of this and that so that Yang can make his own meals. Despite his intelligence, this financial stress ended up taking a toll on his studies. Yang even had to rely on teachers to chip in and buy textbooks for him. There was something interesting about the way Yang's father saw the world, and I believe that this could have somehow impacted the way Yang saw the world, saw his family, and saw himself. Yang's father believed in fate. He was born poor and he lived a poor life. He believed that no matter what you did or where you went, your fate would catch up with you, like a dog sniffing you out. In other words, you were incapable of escaping this life. Yang was very frustrated, and one day in the second semester of his senior in high school, he up and left. Yang's father discovered his son had left school when he made a visit to deliver some food, but later found out that Yang had actually went to work in coal mining with one of his brothers. It was said that Yang enjoyed his time in the coal mining business, and it seemed to make more sense to work for money than to study. A few months later, Yang left again and was working construction. He wrote a letter home telling his parents not to worry. His father became super worried because he's a father and went around looking for him and finally found him after several days. They had a conversation and prior to leaving, his father told him to take care and to work hard. This was the last time they had a real conversation. Yang worked in several different places in the next few years. He contacted his family from time to time, but it was always brief. Many times the employers he worked for failed to hand out any salary. Yang was so frustrated one time at this restaurant he was working at, he decided to steal from them. He took an aluminum bowl. It wasn't very expensive, but it was his first experience stealing. And this is when he realized how easy it was to make a quick gain. The first time Yang was arrested was in the year 1988 for theft. He was locked away for two years. He was arrested again in 1991 for theft. And before he went away to prison, his girlfriend at the time promised to wait for him and that they would get married as soon as he was released. A year later, he was released and he immediately returned to his girlfriend. He made it just in time to attend her wedding to somebody else. He felt that she did this on purpose and that it was her intention to humiliate him. This is where a hatred for women was sparked. Fast forward to 1996. He was desperate and lonely. He couldn't take it anymore when he saw a woman he fancied. He acted on impulse, but instead of getting things his way, the woman called the police and bit off the tip of his tongue. He was sentenced to five years in prison, but was out on early release in the year 2000. This is when his murderer's rampage began. Before I begin his murdering stories, 
You have to remember he killed 67 people in 26 separate occasions. Similar to my last episode on Mikhail Popkov, I will not be able to give you every single bit of information on his victims. Also, the order of his killing varies from source to source, so I will give you what I have. All these murders took place in very rural and country areas. It is highly likely that all the records would not be kept correctly, and I would actually even be surprised if they were even still around. His first killing happened in September of the year 2000. He came across an elderly couple in another town of Henan province. He murdered them both in cold blood, taking any valuables he could get from them. In October, a 62-year-old grandmother was found dead along with her 7-year-old grandson and her 12-year-old granddaughter. The grandmother died from a blow to her temple and a knife wound in her neck, jaw area. The grandson died from a knife wound in his neck and strangulation. The rope was said to have completely etched into his neck wound. The granddaughter was found naked in bed and most likely died from a head wound as well. She was also observed to have been raped after her death. She was only 12. The police eventually arrested a young man, but it was a wrongful arrest. He was questioned for 10 days and when he still wouldn't admit to committing the act, he was tortured for 5 days straight. He was not allowed to sleep and was subjected to all types of torture. This form of questioning slash torture continued on until he finally admitted that he was indeed a thief and that was enough to satisfy the police. He was locked away for a year and although he never admitted to being the killer, everyone in town feared him and rejected his family. He was not the only person to be subjected to this kind of wrongful conviction, all thanks to Yang. Several others have been locked away for a number of years. The rest of Yang's killings and rapes occurred in a similar fashion. If there was a young girl or a young woman in the house, he would make sure he raped them, either before or after killing her. He would kill everybody in the household, regardless of age and gender. He would also take anything of value he could find. His victims always seemed to somewhat resemble his own family structure. They were rural, poor, didn't even have locks on their doors. In the beginning, he would lose sleep over having killed people. The sounds of his victims breathing, the sound of their skulls shattering, and even the smell of their blood would keep him awake for days. As he continued, he got more and more accustomed to it until it no longer bothered him. Yang was a somewhat organized killer. Despite having raped so many people, he always made sure he ejaculated into a piece of cloth and never in or on his victims. He would then take the cloth with him. He would also enter the homes with socks and gloves on, so his footprint and his fingerprints could not be found anywhere. From September of 2000 to August of 2003, he committed 26 separate crimes that involved injuring 10 people, raping 23, and murdering 67. He mostly killed in Henan province, where he was from, but he also went to neighboring provinces like Shandong, Hebei, and Anhui. His victim count per incident usually varied from two to five people. What took so long for police to finally catch him, though? 
Police apparently had a difficult time connecting the cases, and since his crimes mostly happened in rural areas and in different towns, and even different provinces, it was difficult to find a correlation. Once they made a connection, though, law enforcement became more alert and began searching people on a regular basis. And it was common for law enforcement to stop you on the streets to see your ID. This is what happened to one of the guys from the Hello Kitty murder. He ran from Hong Kong but was arrested in China for a lack of ID. In November of 2003, the police received a phone call from a hotel reporting that there was a sketchy, suspicious man in one of their rooms. The police made a visit and found that this man was from Henan and had no ID with him. At this point, the police believed that they were looking for a killer from the province of Henan because most of his victims were from that province, and to them, it looked like the person knew their way around the area. And they also noticed that Yang had a Henan accent. I don't know what that sounds like, but obviously, when you're from a country, you can tell when a person sounds native or not. They started to keep an eye on him, following his every move. When he tried to make an escape the following day, he was arrested immediately. When he was arrested, he still had 500 yuan in his pocket, and he lamented that he should have called for a prostitute before getting arrested. Right. During the investigation and interrogation, police made a note that Yang really had the spirit of a hard worker. In Chinese, it goes "chi ku nai lao," which basically means someone who has high endurance and willing to work hard. This is a compliment usually, but not in this case, I suppose. This is probably the worst trait a serial killer could have. I would prefer if they were all lame and weak and gave up easily. He was also observed to make sure he was presentable. He would make sure his shirts were always straightened, and he would button his shirts carefully. Law enforcement had a difficult time fully understanding his motives. Although Yang did steal, his victims were usually poor, so it obviously wasn't for the money. Yang was a drifter, so this made him difficult to catch. He would commit his crimes late at night and leave immediately. He would walk over ten miles the same night, only stopping when he felt he was far and safe. When asked why he killed people, he just said, "Killing is very normal. It's really nothing." He also wasn't shy about his crimes. He answered everything the police wanted to know, except his answers weren't exactly informative. If anything, it sounded bitter. Here's an exchange between the police officer and Yang. It's all translated from Chinese, so you guys are just gonna have to trust me here. Police, how do you feel about those you've killed? Yang, I've never really thought about it. Police, do you think they deserve to die? Yang, I don't know. Police, do you think your actions will influence our society? Yang, society? What's a society? Does it have anything to do with me? Police. Who do you appreciate the most in your life? Yang, the police. Police, the police. Yang, I say this from the bottom of my heart. After getting arrested, the police have already bought me two sets of new clothes. During all my years alive, no one has ever shown this much care for me. Police, 
After you're released, do you plan on getting on the right path? Yang, yes, but who will lead me on that path? Yang shows zero appreciation to his parents. According to sources, Yang always wore hand-me-downs from his brothers, and during his last arrest, neither one of his parents made an attempt to visit him. When Yang was arrested, his father was heartbroken and lamented that it was all his fault for giving life to a son like this. It really breaks my heart even more knowing that this was his favorite son. The family was so poor that they had so much hope for a son that was going to be different. He was surely different, but in the worst way possible. Both Yang's parents were already in their 70s. Yang's brother was very surprised that his brother was capable of all these crimes. He even said, quote, He's so damn skinny. How did he even manage to kill so many people? According to psychologists who evaluated Yang, the kind of crime he committed required a criminal personality. He was also said to have antisocial personality disorder. He was also too detached from people and groups in society, so he did not feel sympathy for any of his victims. He was also very smart and avoided any sort of detection for a long time. He had been picked up by police many times during those years for other crimes, but he was always calm and collected, and no one was ever suspicious of him. All this experience gave him insight on how the police functioned, and he adapted to it. Before he was arrested, the profile the police had for the culprit was single man, not well-dressed, had to be rather small and thin, as he always entered through windows. This type of person would most probably have a very low self-esteem and quite introverted. On February 1st, 2004, Yang was immediately sentenced to death. He did not appeal his sentence. He was executed via firing squad only 14 days later on Valentine's Day. As you can see, China doesn't wait around to execute people. I was a bit surprised at how quick it happened. So, there you have it. The killings and rapes committed by an individual so detached, he sees murder as normal. I know he had a tough upbringing, but come on. His brothers and sisters turned out normal. My heart goes out to the deceased and to the people who had to find their loved ones dead. The Chinese culture itself puts a strong emphasis on family, to the point where family overrides self. The concept of giving back and taking care of your parents is also very much implemented in everyone's mentality. The fact that a son would put their parents through this is just unthinkable. What's worse for Yang's father is not just losing his son via firing squad, but he had also lost his own father the same way by the military. I'm not sure if Yang's father is still alive or not, but according to the last article I read, he was suffering from lung disease. He hopes that his next life will be better. I was asked by my dad to avoid commenting too much on the political aspect of China. He's constantly telling me to watch what I say when it comes to China. He doesn't want China to think of me as a suspicious individual, but I think I'll be fine. But if I do disappear one day, You'll know who took me. Just kidding.
As always, before I go, I would like to thank everybody for listening. And I would like to thank my newest Patreon, Beck and Tyler from The Minds of Madness. Thank you so much. Also, I would like to thank the following people for their reviews. From the US, Desdemona, Sam from the Supernormal Podcast, Jenny from the Wives Tales Podcast. Thank you. And from Australia, EAC57. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. Please help me by rating and reviewing this podcast. If you're on social media, please look for me under the handle Asian Madness Pod. If you have any comments or suggestions, do not hesitate to write me at AsianMadnessPod at gmail.com. I truly appreciate each and every one of you for being here. I am your host, Jessica. Till next time. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.